Greetings, adventure. Welcome to D20 Academy. I'm your host, Shallow Kanishiro, and today is episode 21, Class Spotlight, Druid. Hey guys, Class Spotlights are back, and this week was one of my favorite classes in all of Dungeons & Dragons. Now, uh, if you don't know what the class spotlights are, this is one of my favorite segments um, of the podcast where I go over all the details on a class, including what the heck it even is, its strengths and weaknesses, race and background synergy, some of its key features, its subclasses, and the playstyle it best suits. Um, it's to help new players uh, get familiar with the classes, and um, hopefully when I'm done with this series, after spotlighting um, all the classes in the player's handbook, um, then you know new players can listen to every single one. Uh, find the ones that they think would suit them best, the the one that suits their, their kind of playstyle and, and the class that they would enjoy playing. But even if you're not a new player, um, just someone who's already been playing D&D for quite a while, uh, you can still learn a lot from here. Um, I go over lots of different things. Uh, I, I give lots of ideas uh, for, like, if you're going to play this class so you can get inspired and all of that. So, um... It's really fun. It's really, it's really good deep dive into this class. I go over lots of things. Um, I don't get into like the nitty gritty rules and every single ability and all of that, because um, I don't think that that's really needed. But I, I just kind of go over the surface level things uh, and then kind of give inspiration and talk about um, what kind of players would like this class the best. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Alright, I'm just going to start with kind of a basic description of a druid if you're not really sure what it is, uh, if you've never kind of heard of it before. So druids are um, kind of like guardians of nature. Uh, They're like crusaders of balance, Um, whether it be the balance between the natural world and the civilized world, the living and the undead, or all four elements. Um, They are very powerful spellcasters, um, drawing their magic from kind of the natural world, from nature, uh, and can even take the form of their beloved animals. So they're kind of uh, people who kind of live in nature, um, in the forests, by the ocean, in the mountains, um, kind of protect it, foster it. Um, they hate anything that, that disrupts nature or disrupts the cycle of life, like undeath. Um, and also they, they try to keep the, the balance of the four elements in check. Um, so they hate like cults of, of, of you know, elemental evil and such. Um, they are spellcasters. Um, like wizards and clerics and such, that's kind of their main focus. Um, so, yeah, if, if you're going to be playing a druid, you're going to be doing lots of spellcasting. Um, but they also do have a couple other really cool things about them, um, which I guess I will get into uh, in a second here. But um, if you heard me mentioned about that they can take the form of the animals that they love and protect, um, yeah, that's kind of the coolest thing ever, and I am going to get into that uh, when I do a feature spotlight later on in this episode. Um, but druids, just to give you the idea, just kind of like nature wizards, kind of. Um, you know, kind of hippies, they love nature, they love animals. Uh, some are kind of like guardians of like sacred sites. Um, they like watch over regions of uh, nature that hasn't been touched by civilization. Um, so actually, most druids in, in a Dungeons & Dragons world... Um, are not actually adventures. They don't actually travel. They typically like stay in one place and, and look after you know a, a certain place or region, protect it. Um, but if something like a danger arises or something threatens the balance of nature, druids may um, leave their home, take on a more active role, um, and become adventurers. Um, so typically, if you're going to be playing a druid, you're going to be playing 
one of those um, people. You may have another reason of why you're traveling and why you're adventuring. But um, yeah, so that's kind of a description of druids. Now let's talk about kind of their stereotypes, their strengths and weaknesses. Um, druids are not a super big trope in D&D and fantasy pop culture. Um, not like fighters, clerics, rogues, wizards. So they don't really have a super defined stereotype. Um, if any, it's like this green and orange cloaked elf with a wooden staff and an antler crown. For some reason, I don't know why the antler crown is the thing, but like pictures of druids, they have like these crowns and they have like deer antlers. I don't know why, but <laughs> that's just kind of a trope. But yeah, they don't really have a super defined stereotype um, in in D and D and fantasy pop culture. So um, people who play them don't usually feel super limited to anything. Um, but their, their strengths, um, real quick, are kind of utility spellcasting that can be really helpful to affect the battlefield in combat and also really uh, aid the party outside of it. Also, their ability to transform into animals is incredibly versatile, and its limit is really only your creativity. Um, druids also have a better uh, HP and armor class than other spellcasters, which keeps them alive uh, a bit longer in, in combat and, and stuff like that. Um, so they can be a little little more formidable. Also, like they're they can attack with kind of weapons and stuff a little bit better um, than like a wizard. But yeah, that's kind of um, that's kind of the, the strengths of the druid. They're they're very utilitarian. They're very versatile, um, and their weaknesses. Uh, well, their biggest weakness, uh, the biggest weakness of the druid is probably damage output. Um, they do have some powerful spells and can turn into some strong beasts like bears, um, but they have quite low damage output compared to most other classes. Um, however, their versatility and their array of utility spells makes them extremely helpful and a really great ally. So, uh, at this point, I kind of talk about like the race and background synergy um, of a druid. Um, kind of what, what races work best with it, and what kind of backgrounds work best with it, which ones kind of work worse for it. But remember, um, th this is your character. You can do whatever you want. Don't feel like you have to be confined by the stereotype or which races or backgrounds go best with this. Do what you want. Build the character you want. Um, these are just kind of rules, mechanic things that fit best with druids, but you make whatever druid you want. You know what I mean? If you have a really cool idea for kind of... Uh, a race of a creature who, who who would be a druid but doesn't really have any of the ability score improvements that help a druid or doesn't seem like a stereotypical druid that's fine do it that can be really fun to explore if you're someone who cares more about optimizing or even wants to build kind of a stereotypical druid that's also that's also fine like that that that's also cool um so the best races for a druid uh, mechanically are hill dwarf and wood elf now druids use wisdom primarily for their spellcasting and abilities um, and nothing, no, no race actually in the player's handbook gives a plus two bonus to wisdom. Every other ability score has a class that gives it a plus two bonus. Um, but, uh, wisdom is, is one ability that does not have any plus two bonuses. So hill dwarf, wood elf, and humans all gave a plus one bonus to wisdom. Um, but I'm cutting out humans because they get a plus one to everything. So they're technically just the best and worst race for every class, so I don't really talk about them here. Um, but wood elves are cool, they have a bonus to wisdom and dexterity, um, and dexterity can be useful when it comes to armor class and other things, uh, initiative, but is not super helpful for a druid. Um, 
But a Hill Dwarf is actually probably the best because they get a bonus to Wisdom and Constitution, which should be the two highest scores of a um, of, of a Druid. So Hill Dwarf and Wood Elf work best uh, mechanically um, when it comes to being a Druid. I'd say the worst races for, for a Druid would be a Tiefling and a Dragonborn. Once again, when I say worst races, I don't mean like it's you're dumb if you want to play a Tiefling Druid or a Dragonborn Druid. That's totally fine. Play the characters you want. I, I'm just talking about mechanically. A Tiefling gets bonuses to Charisma and Intelligence. Both skills really have nothing to do with Druids. Um, obviously, if you want a Druid who is more learned or one who is more charismatic, then yeah, then a Tiefling is good because you're getting those bonuses in those areas. Um, but when it comes to, to mechanically what the Druid needs and, and what abilities are good for them, um, Charisma and Intelligence really don't have anything in there. Um, also, thematically, like, Tieflings are, you know demonic <laughs> and not super it's not super obvious or, or stereotypical for like a, a demonic being to be kind of ruling over nature and stuff um, and then there's the dragonborn which gets a bonus to strength and uh charisma both of which once again are not super useful for a um a druid but a dragonborn druid could be really cool tiefling druid could be really cool it's you know whatever Whatever you want to do. But mechanically, those are probably the worst races to choose if you're going to play a druid. Okay, so for the backgrounds for the druid, um, I'd suggest hermit or sage. Um, hermit is what it suggests in the player's handbook if you're going to do a quick build. Um, because it kind of fits the, the the kind of theme of the druid of like someone who kind of lives alone and just guards their location and just kind of sits in nature by themselves. is more in tune with the nature than like society and civilization. That's very much a hermit thing. Um, and then sages, uh, well, sages can be super varied. They can be, like, professors or scholars, but sages could also be, like, fortune tellers or, like, other kind of, like, um, very learned people. Um, and I feel like a druid could be some kind of um, very, very, very smart, learned person in, in nature. Um, and the the backgrounds that don't fit super well with the druid thematically, once again, totally choose these if you want to. Um, but like in just a basic theme of like a druid and how it ex how it's explained in the player's handbook um guild artisan and urchin don't make too, too much sense with druid just because those are very focused on growing up living in civilization and druid is very much about nature and the natural world um so um those don't make you know tons of sense in, in the theme of the druid but once again you can totally make a druid that's a guild artisan or an urchin or whatever you just you know up to you. Okay, now I'm just going to uh, kind of talk about the, the spells uh, that, that the druids have. Um, so druids are just as powerful spellcasters as clerics and wizards uh, in regard to like the amount of spell slots they have and the spells that they're able to know. Um, it's all equal across the board, um, along with clerics and wizards. But they do have a much more limited array of spells to choose from. Um, each class has a spell list in the back of the player's handbook, um, which is the spells they can they, they can choose from uh, when it comes to uh, the ones that they can learn or the ones that they can prepare. And Druid's uh, spell list is, is quite limited. Um, however, Druids can prepare spells, uh, like Clerics and Paladins, which means they get to choose which spells from their list they can cast for the next day. Um, so things like um, Sorcerers and Bards, they just have a list of spells they know, they choose that from their spell list, and just those are the spells they, they know. They can't change that. They can only cast those spells now, from now on. But druids and clerics and stuff, 
every long rest, they can prepare a certain amount of spells from their spell list, which gives them a lot more variety. Um, they can prepare for things that they, they, they know that the party is planning to do the next day. Um, so this gives them an added bonus of versatility and this ability to, to prepare spells. It is a little more complex and takes a little more time. Uh, definitely for like new players, it can be a little confusing and a little time-consuming. Um, but it still just, just gives them a, that kind of an edge. Um, there are quite a few spells uh, limited to just druids, um, most namely those like relating to nature. So even though there's, there's tons of spells in 5th edition, um, a lot of them are shared between classes. There is actually quite a lot that are only for druids, um, like these like kind of nature spells. A couple of them also rangers have, um, because rangers are also spellcasters that kind of have to do with nature. But there are a lot of spells that only um, only druids have access to, uh, which which is kind of cool. Now, like I mentioned before, most druid spells are utility, and they are not damage-focused. Um, they have really cool battlefield-affecting spells, like Entangle, Fairy Fire, Confusion, Insect Plague, Earthquake. These spells can really turn the tide of battle, um, and makes playing a druid way more tactical than just mindless sword swinging. So while the druid in combat won't really be doing that much damage. Uh, they, they can definitely pack a punch, they can definitely do some damage. But compared to other classes, um, the druid is really, really f quite far behind when it comes to damage output. But they can still do tons, cast tons of other spells that affect the battlefield, um, typically in like large areas and affect multiple opponents, uh, that can really shift the tide of battle. Um, so it, it makes playing them a little more tactical, um, a little more... Uh, like you have to be thinking uh, a little bit more in combat um, rather than if you're just like a fighter or like a barbarian and you're just like oh on my turn I just hit the nearest thing with a weapon um, they also have lots of helpful spells for outside of combat uh, like beast sense pass without trace speak with plants water breathing water walk conjure tons of things they have like conjure elementals conjure woodland beings conjure fey uh, they can scry they have transport via plants control weather and uh, the one of the most badass spells, which I believe is only uh, only Druid can cast. Uh, it's called Storm of Vengeance, which is like you create this like 360-foot-wide storm, and every round it has a different effect, like it rains acid, or there's thunder, or there's an earthquake. It's really, really cool. Um, it's it's obviously a very high-level spell, but like it, it's, it's really cool. Um, and, you know, you can do t tons of stuff with that. So they do have lots of other spells that affect the game outside of combat, right? They have things that can teleport a big group. Um, they're able to scry. They're able to create, uh, you know, conjure animals and fairies. Um, they're able to add with stealthing. They're able to speak with plants and animals. They're able to water breathe, water walk. All those really cool stuff. Uh, control the weather. That maybe is not super useful inside of combat, but outside of con combat can be really cool uh, and really interesting and really help out the whole party. And then, excuse me, they also have some buffs for their allies, like Enhance Ability, and then also some healing capabilities, uh, like Cure Wounds, Healing Word. Um, so th they can also kind of double as a, a pseudo-healer um, if the party, maybe their healer's down or, or they don't really have a healer in the party. Um, so yeah, the uh, I'll talk about this a little bit more when I talk about the playstyle that best fits, um, but Druids don't have a lot of really strong damage spells. Um, but 
what they do have is lot of, like a massive variety of spells to choose from that can really help out the entire party and really change the, the tide of combat. Um, so it makes them really interesting and, and really cool uh, and really fresh to play. Okay, now I'm going to uh, do two spotlights on two of the features uh, of the Druid class that I think are really cool. Okay, so the first feature spotlight is going to be on... Uh, this is an ability Druids get at second level called Wild Shape. Uh, now this is an ability completely unique to Druids. Um, no other class has this ability, and it's basically um, the best thing in the world. Um, it basically means you can transform into an any animal you want. Now, there are limits based on your level for like the, the challenge rating, the power of, of the animal you want to turn into, and whether they can fly or swim. Um, but I think after you get to about, what, like 8th level? Yeah, once you get to about 8th level, um, you can turn into anything that can fly or swim. Um, and then there's still like a cap to the challenge rating. But the higher level you get, the higher uh, challenge rating animal you can turn into. Now, this is one of the coolest abilities in all of 5th edition that any class gets. I think this is super unique, it's super interesting, and there's so much possibility in it. Now, what a lot of people, uh, I think, get confused by or, or kind of do wrong is use Wild Shape to turn into big animals that deal damage like bears and lions, but I don't think that's what Wild Shape is for. I mean, you can definitely do that, but, um, and I'll talk about this in a second, depending on your subclass, it's really not going to be that strong or powerful. Uh, you're not probably going to get a, a lot done um, by turning into something like that during combat. I mean, it's still cool and it's still fine. It can still actually do stuff, but actually there is, um, I think, another reason Actually, like tons of reasons why you sh why you can use wild shape, and they don't necessarily have to be in combat just to deal damage. You can turn into so many things. Right, the only limit is kind of your creativity on what animals you want to turn into and why you want to turn into them. You can turn into birds, right? Uh, once you get to a certain level, you can turn into things with flying speeds. That allows you to be able to scout as a bird. It allows you to hide because you're much smaller. It allows you to follow things very much stealthily because no one expects a bird to be an actual person watching and following them. Um, things that like little birds that fly can be super useful. You can turn into a spider or some kind of insect to slip under doorways and 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 uh, through cracks of windows to sneak into rooms <clears throat> and castles and different places and, and spy on people. Um, you can turn into you know, fish and, and go under the water once you get to a certain level and investigate things beneath water. And it's just really cool. The only limit is your creativity of what you want to turn into and how you use uh, this power. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, I really like it a lot. It just adds so much potential. And, uh, you know, it's, it's such a good, cool uh, way to solve different problems that, that the party may come up against. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just really, really interesting. Uh, I really like the, the wild shape feature, um, a lot. Um, yeah, it's definitely the highlight of the Druid class by far, um, and is so versatile and, and keeps people creative and it's just, it's just a really, really cool ability. The second feature I want to spotlight is called Timeless Body, which I believe Druids get at like 18th level, so, so really high up, um. Basically, what this means is that for every 10 years that pass, your body ages only one year. 
that's what you get at 18th level. Yeah. Um, this, as you can probably tell, really has nothing to do with combat or your campaign, unless your campaign takes place over dozens and dozens of years. But I think it should be noted and not totally disregarded because I think it's really interesting in regards to the character and their character arc. Um, because it you know, means primarily that they will live long past their friends. So if you're a druid and you get to 18th level and you get this ability, uh, you can be thinking, like, what, how does this impact my character the rest of my character's life after the campaign ends, um, when we're talking about the epilogue of our characters? How does this affect the way they see the world? They're not dying anytime soon. They're going to live on far longer than any of their friends, far longer than, than the people they know, living multiple lifetimes. Um, and definitely, if, if they're a race like an elf or whatever that already lives hundreds of years, I mean, they're going to be living a super, super long time. So it's just really interesting um, in regards from like a character standpoint, how their, how their mindset, mindset may shift um, and, you know, how that will kind of impact them in their, in their character's epilogue in the, rest of the, in the rest of their character's personal story um, because of, you know, this, this ability that allows them to live on forever. Um, do, do they like it? Do, do, because it gives them the ability to continue... Um, protecting this thing and um, you know continue fostering nature for generations. Um, maybe maybe they don't like it. Maybe they want to be able to pass away alongside their friends and such. So how does this kind of impact the character? How does this impact their character arc? It's very small, um, typically disregarded by most players, by most like druid players. But I think it is a little interesting thing um, to look at and kind of think about. Um, also, uh, druids don't really have a lot of features. <laughs> They, like most other spellcasting classes, don't really get a, a lot of uh, abilities and features. Most of what they do every time they level up is just get access to more spell slots and more spells. Um, so they don't really have a, a ton of features. Um, but this was just kind of one of the few that they had that I thought was, was pretty interesting to look at. Okay, now that we've kind of done the feature spotlights, let's go on to the two subclasses of the Druid. Okay, so the subclasses of the druid are called druid circles, um, and it's kind of like their focus um, when it comes to two regards, which is spellcasting and their wild shape. So the first uh, circle, the first subclass is called Circle of the Land, and uh, it, its basic kind of focus is uh, druids who are more powerful when it comes to spellcasting. Uh, they learn some new cantrips, uh, they get an ability that helps them regain some spell slots on short rests. Um, and they also get some small abilities that help them with travel, with fey, and attuning more to, like, plants. Uh, what's really cool, I think, about the Circle of the Land, um, other than kind of getting access to more spells, make them a little more powerful spellcasters, and giving, the, the, giving them these also kind of side abilities that help them with against being charmed and traveling through nature, um, is um, you get to choose the biome, uh, the, 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 the land in which you became a druid in. So, you know, whether it be the Arctic, coast, forest, mountain, uh, swamp, underdark, grassland, uh, you, ch you know, based on your back, the character's background, their backstory, um, where they kind of became a druid, you choose one of the, the, that biome, and then you learn new spells according to what, um, what land you choose. So this is really cool. So, like, in the forest, you'll learn spells like bark skin, spider climb, call lightning, plant growth divination, freedom of movement, commune with nature, tree, tree stride, um, while if you, you know, kind of became a, 
a druid in the swamp, you'll learn spells like darkness, acid arrow, water walk, stinking cloud, locate creature, insect plague, things like that, right, which which are more uh, uh, specific t- to that biome. So I think this is a, is a really cool uh, really cool aspect um, of the circle of the land uh, that kind of adds a little more variation to your uh, druid, not just beyond their subclass that they choose, but also the biome in which they grew up. So I think that's uh, just kind of really interesting and should be noted. The um, second subclass is Circle of the Moon, which is basically Wild Shape on crack, um, just making it more powerful than it already is. You get more uses, you can turn into more powerful beasts, You can um, there's abilities that help you with self-healing when you're in animal form, that allow you to be more protected Excuse me. while in animal form. Um, also, at 10th level, in Circle of the Moon, you get the ability to turn into elementals. So, um, yeah, that's a thing you can do, which is, like, the coolest thing ever. And um, it also makes wild shaping into powerful beasts for combat actually effective, and rivaling that of fighters and barbarians. So, when I talked about uh, wild shape before in this episode, about how using wild shape to turn into just, like, beasts in combat that can just kind of, like, with their claws and bite attacks is not going to be super useful or really even rival that of, like, fighters or barbarians. When you choose Circle of the Moon, you can get access to way more powerful beasts, and then you can, like, turning into beast in combat uh, makes much more sense, and you can actually be quite effective uh, and, and quite powerful in combat. So Circle of the Moon is really cool. Um, if you're into the, the wild shape thing, if you want uh, quicker access to be able to be, do flying speed and swimming speed and, you know be able to turn into more powerful animals and a more variety of animals, all that kind of stuff. Uh, choose Circle of the Moon. Uh, it, it's really, really cool. The ability to turn into elementals is super dope. Um, uh, obviously, I have a bias just because I love Wild Shape. I just love that ability so much. Um, I love Circle of the Moon. If I was to ever play a druid, I would definitely do Circle of the Moon. But um, yeah, it's, it's up to you, depending. Uh, read, read through both of them, Circle of the Land, Circle of the Moon. Find which one works best for you and your character. Um, but yeah, those are the two subclasses. I think comparative um, to the other classes and their subclasses, these are very defined, very specific, and really effective. I really do like the design of the druid. I mean, I've, obviously, if you couldn't hear, from the way I'm, I'm talking about things, I really like the way the druid class is designed. I like the abilities and the features they have, the, the spells they have access to. All of that, I really enjoy. I really think uh, it's it's brilliant. Um and these subclasses are no different. Um, whereas some classes, um, their subclasses are okay. They're not super like thematic. They're not super effective. They're just kind of there. Um, these two subclasses get um, new abilities at consistent intervals um, during your during as you level up. Um, they're both pretty specific. They both have a distinction between their focuses. Um, the Circle of the Land has even more of variety with the different biomes. Uh, the Circle of the Moon can allow you to transform into, like, elementals and all this cool stuff. They're both really strong and really define the druids' focus, uh, the way they play, which I think is what subclasses should be like uh, and should be their purpose. So I just, I really do like these subclasses, and I think they're very effective uh, and, and very strong. So the last thing we're going to get into uh, before I end this episode is kind of the play style. The people who would like playing a druid the best and the people who may not uh, enjoy playing druid as much depending on the way they play the game okay so i would put druid into a more advanced category of classes um just because its focus 
uh, definitely like combat is not super straightforward. Um, so those who enjoy the spotlight in combat, uh, who enjoy doing lots of damage, um, will probably dislike the druid. Um, it's just like I've mentioned before, it does not does not do a lot of damage in combat, and doesn't have an obvious thing you do every turn, like go towards the nearest thing and whack it with uh, an axe, or cast fireball. You know what I mean? These spells and uh, features are much more varied and different, and um, not. Yeah, the druid just is not super focused when it comes to combat. Not super obvious what you should do with them every turn. Um, so for kind of like new players or people who enjoy taking the spotlight in combat, druids are probably uh, not for them. Saying that, if you like thinking outside the box, being creative, uh, then the druid is the best class for you. It's incredibly versatile with the wild shape and the utility of its spells. Um, it's just crazy um, how much open-endedness uh, is within the druid's capabilities. It makes playing them consistently fresh and new. Um, while I was playing other other classes, definitely like weapon ones, like fighter, barbarian, rogue, um, combat and things can slog very quickly and very easily just because you're doing the same things over and over and over again. You may be really strong or really powerful, but it can just get a little boring. Druids are always fresh, always new. You will always find new ways to turn your powers to something that helps the party. It's rare for playing a druid to get boring and slog, just because they're so damn versatile. They have so many different abilities, so many different things that they can they can use their spells and their wild shape on, solve all these different problems. Um, as long as you're someone who's like pretty creative, loves thinking outside the box, um, wants a fresh new experience every single session, um, then druid is definitely for you. Um, also, if you just kind of want to play a nature hippie wizard, druids are your guy. Um, but yeah, like I said, players who enjoy the simplicity of D&D, new players who kind of don't want to get into the, the craziness of spellcasting and all that, people who want a, a clear focus during combat, um, who don't want to have to research all their different spells and try to figure out every single turn what they're going to do, then, yeah, Druid's probably not the class for you. There, there's tons of other classes more catered to your liking, to your playstyle. Um, but if you're more of a mature, more advanced D&D uh, player, or even a new player who really wants to try out spellcasting and, you know, loves finding creative solutions to the problems that they encounter in D&D, yeah, Druid, Druid is definitely for you. Druid is really cool, super, super open-ended, super versatile. Um, it helps the whole party. It's just, it's just a really great class. Um, obviously, you can tell I'm a little biased. I really love the Druid a lot, <laughs> um, just because of, of, of how open-ended it is. Um, in fact, I love it so much that like I was like working uh, on planning this podcast, and I was like, you know, looking through it and doing all the, doing all the planning and all that. And I was like, dang, I should probably play a Druid next. <laughs> um, as you guys know, I'm more of a dungeon master than a player. Um, I don't play too often, um, and I've never actually played a Druid myself. Um, you know, as as a player. But after doing this episode, I may want to because I think they're they're really cool, and just just the the, the creative uh, the creativeness and, and thinking outside the box thing is just super interesting. Um, so I may actually want to play a druid next time, just because doing this episode has made me realize how cool they are. Um, but there it is; those are the playstyles uh, it fits. Um, once again, you can totally play a druid if you want to, if if it's something that doesn't super fit your playstyle. And uh, just be warned, you may not enjoy it as much as other classes. Um, but once again, you can just can do whatever you want. Uh, mix the druid with any race, any background, uh, bu build your character. But hopefully, um, I was able to kind of shed some light on what the druid's all about, 
some of its features, some of its abilities, uh, its focuses, uh, its strengths, its weaknesses. Um, maybe some of you guys got a little inspired um, to build a druid of your own, or uh, fi- like to find new ways to play your druid. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for listening. Um, this one was kind of a short episode, but uh, I feel like I got a lot of information out, uh, and, I, and I'm really proud of this one. I, I really like druids, and um, I really like these these class spotlights being able to kind of talk about these classes and which play style they fit and all of that to help out um, all of you guys. So thank you uh, so much for listening, and have a